think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. They stopped asking directions to places they've never been. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to We Can Do Hard Things. This episode is about the power of quitting. It's about quitting as self-care and as an act of self-love and as resistance. We recorded this episode before Simone Biles stepped away from an Olympic moment in order to protect her own mental, physical, and emotional health. And judging by the world's reaction to her no, we think we're onto something with this conversation. Because the world loses its damn mind when a woman decides to abandon the world's expectations of her instead of abandoning herself. When a woman decides to disappoint the entire world before she disappoints herself. When a woman values her own experience above our experience of her. When a woman says, I am more than what you can get from me, I choose me. And judging by the response to Meghan Markle's no, to Naomi Osaka's no, and to Simone Biles no, the world especially loses it when the woman who dares to insist upon and protect her own humanity happens to be a Black woman. Let's get started. Thanks for being here. Today, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And that is quitting. I was raised by a football coach, okay? Um, Which was interesting for my um, Enneagram 4, deeply empathic, sensitive poet soul. Um, My sweet father would say things to me often like, well, if I sat down and said I was tired after school, he would say, Glennon, you can rest when you're dead. Okay. I was seven. Um, Suck it up, buttercup. It's too far from your heart to hurt. Um, All of these sort of things were my, I guess, motivational speeches. Um, Great for a linebacker, not so great for a toddler. (laughs) Right. Maybe. Maybe. And then I go out of my home and venture out into the world and learn that this cultural obsession with what we have defined as toughness, resilience, never quitting is freaking everywhere, right? I mean, we hear winners never quit, quitters never win. That which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Suck it up, never give up. All of these messages, and I don't buy it, okay? I am here today to challenge this resilience at all costs narrative. I am here on behalf of quitting as the strong, wise thing to do quite often, okay? And I'm here to do it with the two toughest (laughs) non-quitters on earth, Abby Wambach and Amanda Doyle. And we are calling this episode, We Can Quit Hard Things, okay? Sister, why don't you start us off, you never, never, never quitter? Well, I was, we'll have you know, 
that when you told me we were talking about this, of course I did what I do, which is research things. And I was looking for quotes and theories about quitting. And I will let you know that your bride came up at the top of the Googles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Quotes about quitting. Okay, here it is. And I'm quoting an Abby voice. You must not only have (laughs) competitiveness, but ability, regardless of the circumstances you face, to never quit. Oh, my God. That's so So, funny. Yeah, it's you. It's you. You're up there. And then I found this quote from your bride, Abby. When asked by a journalist, how do you not quit? Glennon says, oh, I do quit. Quitting is my favorite. Every day I quit. Every single day. I wake up and I care the most amount. And then at some point I put it all away and melt to my people and my couch and food and nothingness. And I care not at all. Begin and quit every day. It's the only way to survive. Amen. I would never start hard things if I didn't know that quitting was just on the horizon. Yeah. That was your self-care strategy too in the self-care episode, right? Just self-care is just constant spiritual practice of quitting. That's right. But babe, talk to us a little bit about your incorrect statement about quitting <laughs> Okay, when you were talking about how important it is to not quit. Well, Why don't you tell us your well, theories? Well, listen, we're all different. We all grew up in different ways and I played sports for 30 years, right? So, and doing it at a level that quitting wasn't part of your vocabulary. But I think I think as it relates to any athletes, quitting, you are taught the opposite of quitting is winning, right? Quitting is, in fact, losing. You can't actually win if you quit. You can't stay in the game. You can't stay in the practice. And what I learned over the course of my career is if I just didn't give up, I I was allowed to keep playing. And Mm -hmm. I was good enough that I was allowed to keep playing. And that, I mean, I know that Some people might completely disagree with me, but I believe that that mindset is the reason why I was able to win championships and play at the high level that I did for so many years. But you still have that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's still inside of me. I can't completely get rid of it. Like, for instance, and this is the bane of your existence, Glennon, but I fancy myself uh, like a home fix it person. Oh, sweet Jesus. And. It's just not true. I know it's not true, but I, I still fancy myself that way. I, I like to think of myself as some, like the lesbian who can fix shit. Like That's I right. like that. I like feeling that way about myself. So for an example, I ordered this new griddle, outdoor grill. It's the craze. My brother told mm-hmm. me about it. And it's a propane grill that I need, now need to convert from propane to natural gas because we have a pipe that comes out of the wall. Well, now I have spent probably collectively 10 hours building this thing and trying to convert it because what I've done is stripped the thread. Basically, I broke it. And Mm -hmm. I have, I'm now actually considering paying somebody to come fix it. Why do you think it is that you cannot quit those things? Like you don't, you look at a grill and, and it's, and it's falling apart and you say, that you won't, you don't want to give up because then you feel like you've wasted all the time you put into the thing. That's a real thing. That is so. There's this um, idea of sunk cost. So sunk cost is basically any unrecoverable cost that you've already incurred. So uh. say you're, you know, you're like I'm buying software to for my job, and you it's a 500 bucks, and you spend a day training on it. And then you realize, oh, this isn't working. This is not going to work. You will actually want to continue using it because uh-huh. you spent the money and the time on it, but it's completely irrational because you're never going to recover that anyway. So a ra- rational thinking is I am only going to count future costs and benefits, but that's not how we operate as people. So we will continue because of the sense of regret and feeling like a loss, even though that loss is that loss, you're never going to get it back. Mm-hmm. You incur future losses you throw good time and good money at the already 
sunk cost right. because you you will not take that loss, even though you're definitely already taking that loss. And we do it mm. in relationships. We say like, mm-hmm. I can't have wasted that six years of my life. I can't have, but but it's all that kind of fallacy of there's some way to resurrect that loss if I just yes. keep doing it, you know? It's that meme that everyone passes around that says, Something like, don't keep making a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. I just have a different, I really, really have a very different idea about quitting. And I, I know, babe, that I'm not, I was never an Olympian. So there's, this might be one of the reasons that I was never an Olympian. Um, But I respect your point of view on quitting. I get it. I see the beauty that comes from that way of life. For me, I've been thinking a lot about why I believe so much in quitting as a really strong thing to do sometimes. And I think it's because so much of my life, I came to life because of a big quit, right? I mean, people who who face a, a, a rock bottom in their life, like a major mental health crisis, um, often have this gift, okay? This gift comes with major breakdown, which is that you are one of the only humans who are lucky enough to be taught how to be human. It's like so many people um, never have the gift of everything falling apart and saying, oh, I can't do life. Help me. People who go into recovery like I did, you know, tend to have programs and groups and therapy that teaches you how to be human, which we don't teach people in school. Mm-hmm. I was a third grade teacher. I remember, you know, teaching ancient Egypt hieroglyphics for six months, but never being like, here is a feeling. Here is a boundary. Here is what inevitably will happen when you're being human, right? So, so you know, I learned that quitting for me meant means and meant it's like the ultimate responsibility to me. It's like the ultimate living responsibly because through almost dying from addiction, I learned nobody's going to handle my shit for me. Like I almost died. Like Nobody is going to look at my life and say, that's not working for you. That's not working for you. Nobody is going to protect me except for me. So when something stops working for me, right, when something actually starts to affect my peace, it's my responsibility to stop it and start something else. It's like the definition of the word responsible, meaning able to respond, right? Like when something My job as a sober person is to protect my peace. And so when something, whether it's a relationship or a job or a way of life or an idea that threatens that stability for me, my job is to respond and get rid of it. So quitting for me feels like a powerful thing to Mm -hmm. do. What Mm -hmm. about you, sister? Well, I just think the quitting is such a fascinating word it's like both over-inclusive and under-inclusive. I mean, we use quitting for for eliminating from our lives really, really harmful things. You know, you you quit smoking, you quit drinking, you uh, you quit binging, you all of these things. And then we also use it for you for jobs and for things that are, that are irresponsible. You know, she, she promised to do that for me and then she just quit. She pro- so, so it's this kind of word that doesn't make any sense when we apply it to everything. I just wish mm-hmm. there were different words to use for a positive, you know, congratulations, you let go of that thing that wasn't working for you. And then mm-hmm. another one that was, you really let yourself or other people down by not sitting with your discomfort enough to, to fulfill that for yourself. I mean, it just seems like it's an odd, it's an odd word. Um, so, but, and so I was thinking about that and I looked it up and the Latin origin of that, of the word quit is quietus. And it actually means to set free Mm. So it's to be free and clear of something. And it also, the other origin of the word is calm and resting. So we, Mm. we took the idea of quitting and then it was only 700 years later where it started having this negative (laughs) connotation and that not 
to my mind coincidentally was during the industrial revolution where ah. and it started to be like like quitting time that means there we go. being free of work being free be, it's your resting time it's quitting time from your job and then it started to have this negative connotation at that point so i feel like since that point it's been like what a quitter what a, you know it's bad um, quitters are for, quitters are losers that's when right. that came in because what you're saying is that when we became, when our worth as human beings became tied to productivity, mm-hmm. it became important for the cultural idea to be never stop. And if you stop, mm-hmm. you're a loser. And if yeah. you keep going at all costs to your body, to your relationships, to anything, you're a winner. Right, right. If capitalism is the relentless pursuit of productivity, any any resting or being free from work is a loser's way of doing things. Um, Amazing. What so, is your your personal relationship with quitting? I, th- I think I, I think have a very complicated... Well, I think I have a... Com- I mean, I see what you're saying because much to the way that you're saying your ultimate responsibility is not accepting. If you continue to do this, it will work out well. I feel like I have kind of... I have this... Um, I have maybe swallowed that promise of... If you show up, if you work hard, if you push through pain, if you can see it all the way through, things will work out. And that is not necessarily true. But I think that I have kind of prided myself on that and I've stayed in in some shitty situations because of it. But I think there's also this very, very gray area, which is, for example, when I was working at the law firm and I was so freaking miserable and I, and I remember... I hated it so much. Um, And you and mom, I feel like once a month would have this kind of like intervention with me and tell me to quit. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being so annoyed and frustrated by that because I, I was like, I am doing a thing here. I know what I'm doing. I am staying here because I am paying off my loans. I'm setting myself up to have the future freedom to do what I wanna do. I'm taking care of my future self right now even at the expense of my current self. And that actually, I don't know if that's a story I'm telling myself, but I do believe when I look at my life that that did afford future self to freedom to myself. I was setting myself free in the future in a way that had I just quit in that moment, I think I would still be tethered in to so many debts and not have the freedom I have right now. So I think it's complicated. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do you feel that that every advantage also becomes a disadvantage for our in our lives, like, do you feel that that theory that you have about your future, your present self's job is to prepare and work for your future self? Do you see that to not quit, no matter what your present self is saying to you, what your mind is saying, your feelings, your intuition, your body, your people, no matter what they're saying to you, you carry on because in some way this will bring great reward to your future self. At what point does your present self ever get to be happy? Correct. That, that is, so this is my ultimate, this is my existential fear of my entire existence, which is that I love so much building a life that I don't ever live inside of one. So mm-hmm. I have this kind of um, horizon view of life where I am always thinking, what is going to be the next thing? What am I setting myself up for? I'm, I'm so 
fixated on that thing and how to get there that I never actually arrive there. I mm-hmm. and I never because then I'm fixated on the next thing and I am I am not seeing any part of the journey and I'm not talking about enjoy every moment like Jesus. Mm-mm. I'm talking about just even experiencing any of the mo- of it or ever having any gratification in any of the episodic arrivals of what I had been pursuing because then right. it's just the next thing and the mm. next thing and the it next reminds thing. me of our great grandfather the story about our grandfather who um never took a day off of work right remember dad would tell us mm-hmm. the story never ever took a day off of work so that one day he could travel with his wife right he could he wanted to retire a couple of years earlier he was storing them all up so he and um he and my grandma could travel yep and, and then, then she what? died oh and my then she god mm-hmm. and right. they never I mean, listen, they never traveled. That that is like the saddest thing. And I, you know what, sister? I think I before I got sober, I had the opposite problem where I was just trying to live so much in the present that I didn't want to think about anything into the future. Mm-hmm. And like maybe there is some sort of middle ground here, right, where we're making days that are going to positively affect our future somehow. I don't know. I feel like you and I have opposite problems that if we just we smush together, we could become a perfect person. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's interesting. It's like that. And I think it's Annie Dillard who said how we spend our days is how we spend our life. Mm-hmm. Like we think about, you know, everybody's always saying, how do you avoid deathbed regret? Like, that's what you're saying, sister. Is like, how do you, what, what if one day on my deathbed, I regret never having lived this life that I'm so desperately trying to build constantly. And I'm so good at building. And and the only way that I can think of to avoid deathbed regret is to avoid bedtime regret, right? Which is trying to spend part of your days aligned with what you love. Mm. Well, right? it's true. And it's, so this is something that I just learned today. And I am, okay. I, I'm wondering if this is going to freak you out with delight as much as it freaks me out. Probably not. But I'm so excited. <laughs> I was thinking about this horizon thing and like, what the hell is wrong with me? Okay, this is what I learned. If So if quitting is about, if quitting is the opposite of striving, okay? So you're continuing to try, try to strive for things. We view quitting as this kind of, that's gonna buy us happiness, right? Mm. Positing the idea of quitting as, if I am having a terrible experience, the quitting of it will release me from that terrible experience. Mm. I'm not sure that is, first of all, big question mark. I mean, like everyone has this fantasy of I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to move to Bali and I'm just going <laughs> to like ride in a canoe or something, whatever the no, hell your fantasy doesn't work. Is. I've moved everywhere. That's the destination life. That's like it, the, the tragedy of wherever you go, there you are. So right. go ahead, Ceci. Right. But right. that I feel like that's an important part of the quitting. Whatever the fantasy we're holding up is, it assumes that it's going to be good for for us, that it's right. going to get, you know, so, hey, maybe not. I don't know. But there, okay, so there is, um, so there is this concept called hedonic adaptation. Okay, just bear with me for a second. It's this okay. idea that we adapt. So it, 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 it's the idea that we have this baseline level of happiness, okay, that we return to, okay? It doesn't matter the awesome or ba- terrible things that happen to us. That there is huh. only, so 50% of our total happiness is sheer genetics, chemical makeup. Mm. That, to me, is like, that might be like depressing to some people. That is such a freaking relief. It's like all this idea of that, like I am just one decision and one achievement away from happiness. And that that's literally not true, that I'm never going to be, I'm literally just going to be as happy as I am. And only 10% of happiness is due to circumstances. So there's mm-hmm. this like 40% that's within our control, okay? That we could like change something about our lives. But it's that everything that we do, including quitting your job, you have the fantasy of quitting your job. You have the fantasy of not being married to this person. It's going to change your life. Okay, maybe, but actually you just adapt that level of happiness into yourself and you reacclimate. Mm. And then the next thing you, you acclimate that your, your like emotional self, um, metabolizes that and you end up the exact same level of happiness. Interesting. Mm. Okay. I feel that you 
are someone who has done some research to support your theory <laughs> that quitting is not going to be helpful. I <laughs> hear you. I feel like I want to get into what one of the things that I want to ask you all, which is to think about some of you, the best quits or the best non-quits in your life, right? I actually have made a few quits that I know dramatically affected my joy and freedom and power and peace. I don't know about happiness. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly I would say quitting drinking, right, was the biggest, most important quit of my life. And like all important quits, I never think of it really as quitting. I think of it as starting something else like starting down this path of sobriety. Which I think is important, babe, to talk about the actual word itself mm-hmm. um, and like how how we use it. Actually, you might not even need to use the word quit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, mm-hmm. I think that it's got important. free from. You got free yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes. every person has to define what that means for them because quit might mean the complete opposite from one person to the next. Yeah. So I like that. Okay. So I freed myself from alcohol so that I could start living deeply. Um, Leaving a broken marriage, right, was one of the best and most important and empowering quits of my life. I just remember being constantly so angry at my ex-husband, even after all the healing that we had done Um, and, you know, obsessing about the infidelity and, and so much more. And I remember one morning thinking, the the track in my head was, how could he do this to me? How could he have done this to me? How could he have done this to me? That was in my head over and over again. And suddenly it just switched to, wait, how could I do this to me? Mm. Like he's, it's, he's done and dusted. Like everything he's, he, there's nothing else he can do to undo that. I'm the one who continuously is choosing this every single day. I'm the one who's not being responsible to my own joy and my own peace and my own. So that's right. You know, I mean, babe, you, I think rethinking the ending of a marriage, I think is interesting. We were talking to your friend recently mm-hmm. and she was reporting that one of your mutual friends had, was going through a divorce yep. and we were all sitting at a little table and you said, oh my God, that's, that's so, so sad. sad. That's so sad. I feel so bad for her. And I just remember looking at you and just being like, I just want to rethink that compulsory reaction mm-hmm. to divorce. Yeah. Like actually, you know, in some ways divorce is like always good because it's like, clearly it was bad. <laughs> clearly the relationship was bad. Like nobody wakes up in the morning. is like, you know what? What the hell? We're bored. Let's get divorced. That's right. It's like <laughs> the end of a long, you know, suffering, struggling road. And they say that it wouldn't end unless it was hard and bad because otherwise it wouldn't end. Right. So sometimes, you know, I just remember thinking, looking at you and, and, and that reaction, we were all the compulsory reaction. Oh, it's so sad. And thinking, what if this is not sad at all? Like, what if this is the most strong, hopeful, creative triumph that this woman has ever had? What if this is the beginning of her life? Especially coming from me, somebody who has literally had the positive experience of divorce. Like, it's so ingrained in us. I've had the positive experience of divorce, of like leaving a marriage, you leaving a marriage, and us finding something better and more true and beautiful. How could... And it's because it's so deep in all of us, this like, this narrative that we have about divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Stay even if you're miserable. Stay even if you're... Staying is winning. Quitting is losing. Not my lived experience, right? What about you all? What are your, um, and, and by the way, let's mention that so much of this, so much of this quitting, ability to leave a job, ability to leave a relationship, ability mm-hmm. to leave a toxic community, ability to, is so much based on privilege. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I was, uh, I was able to leave that marriage because I had savings, because I had, people helping me because I was able, even, you know, I was thinking about this last night, even quitting alcohol and drugs is based on privilege. Yep. I mean, I had access to therapy. I had a car to get me to recovery meetings. Yes. Sister, what's a good quit of yours? Or or Abby, do you want to go? Cause you were just talking about marriage. Like, yeah. Tell us a quitting story. Well, I mean, obviously I feel like I'm the middle 
in between you and sister, like sister's hardcore never quit mentality. You're like quit every day. <laughs> I have learned I have learned lessons from both of these mentalities and have had positive reinforcements. And quite frankly, I think the reason why I was such a really big alcoholic is because I really, I was really a refuser of quitting. (laughs) I was really righteous about this. Like, don't ever quit. Um, But when I dropped that narrative and I stepped into sobriety, it's the thing that I think I'm the most proud of in terms of moving beyond. You know, that was a season of my life. And I don't really love thinking about the regrets of my life. The truth is, is I believe that we, our lives are our decisions and what we do. And quitting drinking was um, the thing that impacted my life the most. Um, I was going through a really weird time that I quit playing soccer and I quit traveling the world. I quit (laughs) representing my country. Um, I quit being a teammate. I quit a marriage. I quit drinking all like within like a five month period of my life. Mm -hmm. And had I not done all of those things, Glennon, I met you like a month later. Mm -hmm. I think we would have missed each other. Um, And so I attribute so much of my happiness now to moments where my life wasn't working for me in the way that it was presenting itself. And I had to make choices. And some of those choices involved quitting things that weren't serving me. And because of that, I was able to like actually meet you where mm-hmm. you were. Um, so yeah, I've had some really good, good experiences with quitting. So I, and I see you actually one of the, you model it for me so often every night when like you power down and you run out of Glennon. Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, like we've had a day, like we get to mm-hmm. chill. Right? right in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. What about you, sister? Well, What's I will just say. Good quits or bad quits? I will just, one, one aside. Abby just talked about meeting you. I think in defense of not quitting, I would like to mention that the day you were scheduled to fly oh, to the convention in which you met Abby for the first time, you did call me from the gate saying, <laughs> please, I am, you are my sister. You are my manager. What I'm asking to do and what I need you to do is tell me that I do not have to get on this plane. My body is tired. I do not want to go. I am done. Okay? Okay? I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. I'll just yeah, say that. Out. In defense of not quitting. Thank you, As sister. As you posit that, I would like to... <laughs> what is it when I try to undo the, the posit you just made? I would like to deposit <laughs> this. Deposit. <laughs> Pod Squad, some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other, and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash hard things. That is so interesting because when I think about that moment, when I called you, I think I was like crying. I mean, I was yeah. so upset. I was so upset. And by the way, it was the first stop on my book tour. Like, yeah, it's I not like it was like, a year in. <laughs> Whatever, it was the beginning. I know. But listen, I know what was happening at that point. When I I was about to go on a nationwide book tour 
to tell a story that I wasn't sure in my bones that I believed. Mm-hmm. I was about to tell the Love Warrior story, which was about the redemption of my marriage. And I didn't know really at the end of the day if it was redeemed or if I was just like forcing it to be real. So my body does, when, when the ways that I know that I have to stop something, that something is not serving me is first I get really bitter and angry and defensive and mm-hmm. nasty. I'm mad at everybody else. I can agree making, to this. Yes, for making me do things, right? So this is stage one in which I have forgotten that I am a grown-up and responsible for my own life and no one else is responsible for my life. And everyone will always ask me to do a million things and and no one will save me but me, okay? So I forget and I'm mad at everyone else for not taking care of me. And then if I don't handle my business, soon enough, my body starts shutting down. I start getting totally exhausted. I start getting, right, babe? Yep. My, I will just, so I believe that that moment in that airport was like my body starting to reject the, what was coming. But thank Mm -hmm. God, sister, you football coached me up. (laughs) You told me no guts, no glory. (laughs) It was time for a Hail Mary pass or something. I don't know, but I got on the damn plane. Thank God. Hey, a Hail Mary pass. Right? See, that's. By the way, Prophetic. when oh, you're Mary, Mary, Mary Abigail Wambach. Okay, sister, can you just tell us a story about maybe a good quit or a bad quit or something, a quitting story? Right. Well, I think no doubt the the, the if the being free from the best being free from was n- stopping my lifestyle of binging and purging because mm. that was just so all consuming. It was, um. I wouldn't be doing anything with my life if I were still doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think, um, and leaving being free of my marriage was another great one. I mean, these, none of these are in the quote unquote quit areas. They're just things to get free from that. We are very, that we had a prior (laughs) commitment to, to pursuing. I think we view quitting as this random, like it's either people or jobs or, or substances where mm-hmm. I feel like the the work that could that I could do most dramatically on my life are kind of quitting my commitment to ways of thinking about things. Oh, amen. Like what? Well, you know, like that idea of like constantly striving, like the thing, mm-hmm. the happiness is just one, you know, once I start, once I start saving a hundred bucks a month for college, for my kids' college, I'll feel financially secure. Once mm-hmm. I start, um, you know, once I fold all this laundry, my head will be in order. Once <laughs> I, you know, just all, yeah. I mean, and then the longer yeah. term ones, because that's that same, my, because that leads to lack of rest. That leads mm. to lack of freedom. It's like so much is ingrained in our commitment to continuing to believe and think with a certain framework that I think that the quitting, the setting free from is so much more expansive than the way we think about it. Sometimes I think that the relationship and the jobs are false. uh, They're a little bit like false prophets. Like if we, we are deeply set and that's why I will continue to go back to my hedonic theory because I do (laughs) think that we that that it is true that they said that the 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 ways that you impact happiness like we think if we leave our job or some marriages yes you need to leave leaving my job was one of the best decisions i ever made my other job but i also think that a when you're in it and deciding to leave are you taking you know is that in 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 support of yourself are you are you going to be have the maximum freedom for yourself after and then b i think that they're kind of we think those are like the easy buttons in some ways yes so so i think when you say that i think of when you said if i quit my job like every day my job is too stressful everything's too stressful this is too hard my job my my dream is to quit my job and become a gardener in in um bali mm-hmm like you would be the most stressed out, overproductive Bali gardener that ever existed. Like Correct. you would ruin your freaking Balinian life. Yeah, I or would whatever. be like, kicked out of Bali. Yes, yes, that's correct. So, so the, <laughs> because the problem there would be that you switched the outer part of your life without switching the inner 
belief system mm-hmm. that will make you bring that striving self to whatever situation you're in and you're not, you're just rearranging chairs on the Titanic. And I think that that's liberate. I think, I mean, for anyone who is listening to this, that's like me, please find the liberation in this theory. It's that like, I always thought I have all of these wonderful things. I have all the ingredients of uh, how, a happy life of a life that for someone who should be very happy and grateful, but yet I am not happy and grateful. And there is something (laughs) deeply broken about me. But then I think, no, guess what? If the science is telling me, I just, whatever your universe is, you acclimate to it and it becomes your new baseline. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's not something wrong with you that you're not feeling this deep abiding sunshine worth of gratitude all the time. That the only right. things that are, you're constantly looking for the next thing. So the only things that actually are susceptible to to not this, this hedonic ad- adaptation are just a few things. And one of them is this idea of gratifications. If you can mm. find something that is challenging for you that you get lost in, mm. That is something that doesn't, it doesn't metabolize. Like you can keep doing it. Like, and also the experiences, like what you're saying about quitting and actually living in your experiences Mm -hmm. and being grateful for it. And I also think that one of the reasons that I have gratitude for my marriage and my job are because I had a super shitty marriage and a super shitty job. Like Mm -hmm. I can compare those things in a way that gives me gratitude Mm. because of having had them. Yes. For everyone who's going through shit. Like it's the idea of nobody enjoys the sun more than somebody who was in the rain for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. Like that is, Abby and I talk about that all the time. I mean, we're so grateful for having had first marriages that did not serve us Mm -hmm. because we wake up grateful every day. Right. I mean, I'm grateful to be in California right now after my, our kids are so grateful. Every time we walk by pride flag, every time we see, you know, different sorts of people, like we just feel grateful in a way that people who've lived here for a long time probably would think was wild, but it's because of where we came from. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes, um, and, and, you know, this idea of forcing time into, into our lives to quit producing and enjoy, you know, I'm such a, a Bible nerd, you know, that I just learned this so early. It's in the rhythm of creation, right? It's like the poem in the Bible about like how anything gets made is like you work, you work, you work, and then you stop and you rest and you call it good. And you don't stop and rest and call it good because you like ran out of Red Bull and it's you, you stop and rest and call it good because, because it's part of the creative process, right? That is part of it. It's not breaking from creating. It's part of it. It's like this idea that the potential for the next thing is all in the stillness and the quiet and the enjoyment of this, of this moment right now. That's good. Right. And if we don't look at what we've made and we don't look at our lives and our people and soak them in, then we're like the, our grandfather who's just saving up for one day. Well, and you have to enjoy your people. You have to examine the narrative that you have of yourself and the definitions that you have around this idea of quitting, right? Like, I mean, sister, I think that what you said is so profound. You too, Glennon, like the the stillness and the quiet helps you recover so that you can begin again tomorrow. And then the Mm -hmm. idea of like, the idea of changing your thoughts around stuff, like, and Mm -hmm. quitting those things are doable. Like, this is what I think is so important as a recovered person. I had to actually recreate a narrative of myself like that I was and could be a sober person Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. I ended up being a sober person. Like, it happened in a very short period of time sitting in jail after my DUI. But, like, Mm -hmm. I had to, like, create that narrative for myself real quick and be like, wait, I have to be a sober person now. that's, That's my path. And that first, like, you can do that work and you don't have to tell anybody about it, right? That's the beauty of, like, changing Mm -hmm. your life or quitting things. It's not, you're not, like, buying a ticket into a new life until you actually start doing it, but you can do it privately first. I love that. You guys are making me think about the idea of quitting being internal 
before it's even external. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's jump onto some hard cues. I'm going to read one first and then we'll get into some voicemails. But I liked this right in. Um, How do we know when we're quitting because it's wrong for us or just because it's hard for us? So the question is, do I want to become free of this thing because this thing is hard for me? Or do I want to become free of this thing because this thing is not for me? It is wrong for me. Mm. That's the question. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you just answered the question. Yeah, I think so too, actually. I mean, I think maybe the way we know, because I want to quit things. I will say, I want to quit things often that I do not quit. I mean, there's... I. Writing a book is hard. Raising kids is hard. Like staying sober is hard. There are things that I continue to do every day, even when I want to quit. So how do I know whether the thing I want to quit <laughs> is correct to quit? Because mm-hmm. do how do I know whether it's just, whether it's wrong for me or hard for me? And I think the answer is what you just said, sister. You ask yourself this question, which is what was it again? Uh, do I want to be free of this thing because it is a hard thing for me? Or do I want to be free of this thing because it is the wrong thing for me? That's so good. That's so good. Also, when you think about a quit or a pivot or whatever we want to call it, or freeing ourselves from something, does it feel like joy? Like, does it feel lighter? Does it feel happy? Or does it feel like a loss? Hmm. I think that in in my, to answer the question, because I'll do it. I like to think five years down the road and what kind of person do I want to be in five years down the road and how can that person incite some of or inform some of the decisions that I'm making today? So like, That's amazing. I I, think the opposite. I want to be a person who has run a marathon. Like that's what I'm thinking about right now. And every single day when I'm running these programs and this training program that I'm doing, I want to stop running. I want to not run anymore, but I want to be a person in a few years that has ran a marathon. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep able to endure those moments where I do want to give up because I also think managing what you know is good for you and figuring out what is good for you is really important to deciphering kind of the answer to this question. Here's an honest question for you with what I think is a pretty easy answer. When it comes to grocery shopping, would you rather wander the aisles of a store aimlessly looking up and down your self-made list? Or would you rather take a fun quiz about your individual goals and preferences and have a personalized cart built for you? Not to mention all the recipe recommendations and home delivery that come with it. If the latter option sounds more attractive, which I think it should, it for sure does for me, then you'll want to check out Hungry Root. I loved the creamy chicken and bell pepper Alfredo that I tried. It was so yummy. And the added bonus of doing all my shopping from home made it all the better. Right now, Hungry Root is offering We Can Do Hard Things listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash hard things to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies for life. That's HungryRoot.com slash hard things. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Okay, let's move on to Sarah. My name is Sarah. I'm leaving a stable government job this month to pursue my career in art. It's something that's taken a lot of time for me to realize that this is what I want to do. And I'm excited about it, but I'm mostly terrified and overwhelmed. Um, I'm feeling like I'm not fully ready or fully established enough to do this. Um, But I also feel that it's necessary and I know that I need to take risk and jump in with both feet. Um, I'm just having a hard time trusting myself and trusting the people that are offering me their help. So I'm wondering if you're able to speak to any of these feelings. Uh, Thanks so much. And I hope you both have a good day. Oh my gosh. That's so cool, by the way. Yay. Wow. So So brave. It's so interesting that she's kind of framing it as like she's quitting 
her job. So could she, should she quit her job or should she not quit? But the, the truth is it by, if she stayed in her job, she'd also be quitting in a way because Mm -hmm. she said that she's been excited and preparing and her heart wants this art thing for so long that that she'd be quitting that if she stayed at her job. So it's just like a different way of framing it to say, which which one do you want to quit, Sarah? It sounds oh. like it sounds like you're deciding that being free of the one allows you to not quit the other. And that sounds amazing. That. Let's just frame everything that way, sister. Like yeah. let's frame every decision as it's quitting either way. So you quit the job or you quit your dream of art. Mm-hmm. Like which quit? Mm-hmm. Which quit? So it's like when people say, you know, I I want to leave this toxic relationship, but it just it's too hard. It's too hard to leave. And it's like, well, isn't it hard to stay? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard either way. Are you going to quit the relationship or are you going to quit your idea that you deserve to be loved well? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like I'm too scared to say the hard thing and it's like yeah, saying the hard thing and rocking the boat is hard, but but so is, you know, swallowing it and slowly dying inside. So which heart are you going to pick? So Sarah, we, uh, we can do hard things. I think you picked the right quit. Also, just a note on her saying that she's not fully ready or she doesn't know if she has an, enough experience. I would say, Sarah, be like a man and assume... <laughs> assume that you are qualified and ready and prepared for all of the things. I mean, the, the, I forget what the statistic is. It's like after reading qualifications for a job, it's something like 41% of women will not apply for it because they've read the qualifications and they have deemed themselves unqualified. Whereas the, with the people with the exact same level of qualifications who are men will say, yeah, good. I got it. Yep, so don't right. don't call yourself out. You are more than ready. No one's ever 100% ready. Go get it and then share your art with us. Yeah, and Everything. being terrified, being terrified, just know this because I quit my job five years ago. Being terrified is a constant for a pretty long while. So <laughs> it's so just true. nobody says that. Like, I think that that's like such a disservice mm-hmm. that we we give people. Oh, yeah, like just focus on the positive. Like, you're going to be terrified. You're probably going to feel really overwhelmed and you're probably going to question this choice for a while, Mm -hmm. no matter what. And so just like settle into that and just expect that because if you can expect that goodness will come, it just will. I just know it. Yeah. That's the right kind of hard, right kind of hard. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to Bridget. Hi there. This is Bridget. Um, Lennon, thank you for doing everything that you do. And what I've been struggling with lately is all the change with my teenage daughter. The big one that has shown up for us is my younger daughter uh, is a junior. She plays club soccer, has played her whole life since she was six years old. Um, She is on a nationally ranked team. We live in Michigan and her team won state cup two years in a row and she wants to quit in her final year um her senior year of club soccer and i tried to beg her i tried to punish her i tried to bribe her and she is just really digging in her heels that she doesn't enjoy it anymore and i know that that is tough for her to do and it's probably the right thing um, for her to do is quit but I just am so entrenched in this life and I feel embarrassment and a little bit of shame with all those soccer parents and not being a part of that um, group anymore so I really just appreciate some words of wisdom thank you so much so Abby I think as the soccer resident expert you might want to jump in. I, I just want to say real quick that I love Bridget's honesty. Yeah. I love yeah. that she freaking admitted that she bribed and threatened her child. I mean, Brit, yeah. Bridget, yes to that kind of honesty. Yes to admitting that sometimes it's like you don't want your kid to quit something because it's your life that they're 
messing up. Just yes to Bridget. Abby, what do you think? Well, I'm all for kids and girls especially to play sports. I think that mm-hmm. it's breakthrough for uh, so many things. It gives it gives little girls um, and however you fall in the gender lines, it gives young kids more confidence, self-esteem, all of those things. But if she doesn't like it, she doesn't like it. <laughs> you can't force your kid to do something because it's giving you an identity. Like that's just, right. we can't be living vicariously through our kids in that way. Um, you know, when our kids do something great, I really force myself to say, I'm so happy for you because mm-hmm. it, yeah, you do do that. It separates myself and my impact with mm-hmm. them and their whatever it is that we're celebrating. Because when we say, because when we say I'm proud of you, then they think, oh, I got to keep doing this thing to make my mom proud. Yeah. To me, I think what I hear Bridget saying is that they've been through a lot with this decision. Doesn't sound impulsive. It sounds like she has, you know, gone through a lot of checking to make sure that that her daughter is saying this is the wrong thing for her and not just a hard thing for her. Um, and it sounds like her daughter knows what she wants. I mean, we think all the time about, you know, maybe looking to the future, maybe looking to the future and deciding um, what Bridget wants her little girl or her big girl to be basing her decisions upon. And if this girl is willing to disappoint her team, disappoint her mother, disappoint all of these people so that she doesn't disappoint herself. I can't imagine how hard it is for Bridget. I mean, I'm just my heart is in knots thinking about the actual real grief and mourning that you would have when whenever you have, you know, it's hard not to dream through your kids. When we're being totally honest, we have these dreams for them. We see them. We see their their 10 years ahead self, just like we see our 10 years ahead self. I think it's really I, I think there's a major loss there in terms of what they've been building, what the 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 community they've been building, the fear that will she regret it? Should I make her because maybe this is her gift and I'm allowing mm-hmm. her to I'm allowing her to step away from her gift and will she come back in five years and say, why did you let me give that up? I was so good. That was my thing. So I just think I understand why it's so hard and I understand why it's a deep grieving process for losing your dream on behalf of your kid and letting them have their own dream instead. Mm. That's, that's really, I think probably hard and probably like the whole crux of parenting, letting your kids have the life they choose rather than the life that you were building and, and already attached to that you had planned for them. I mean, you know what we say? You know what we say, babe, my job as your parent <clears throat> is to help you create the truest, most beautiful life you can imagine. So here is the truest, most beautiful life <laughs> I have imagined for you. I'm let's go get it. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to make all my dreams for you come true. That's yeah. exactly Please it. join my dreams for you. The yeah. paradox yeah. of this too, is that Bridget wants to have raised a, a daughter who can stand up on her own two feet and say the thing that she needs to say to get the life that she wants. And here she's doing it, right? It it worked. It worked too well. It worked too well. (laughs) Good news, bad news, Bridge. (laughs) Your girl's a badass. Mm. You did a good job, Bridge. Yes. Um, how sad when our children become the people we dreamed they'd be. Oh, <laughs> yes. They actually do what we taught them to do. Okay. Our next right thing this week is this. I'm not going to give you any homework. It's too hard. We're going to quit hard things today because we can quit hard things. There is no homework. You've already done your homework, which is that you learned this. Tell us one more time, sister, what the definition, the original definition. The original of definition is. of um, quitting was to be set free from to be calm, to rest. That was, that was the origin of quit for 700 years until like a hot minute ago. Yeah. So is there anything you need to set yourself free from? Hmm. Um, and when things get too hard this week, don't forget we can quit hard things. Love (laughs) you. 
We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. I know I've been there before and I feel like I'm always expected to know everything despite having all of these questions. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, good news. Now all that info is in one place on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools with info like student-to-teacher ratios. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.